hello and welcome to the Being in Brazos podcast. I am Ray, your host, and I'm so excited you're here tuning in today. So I'm recording this little intro directly after I just got done recording today's episode podcast, episode podcast, my goodness, podcast episode with Wendell Britt Jr., who is a writer, podcaster, educator, and reforming personal development junkie. And Wendell is on a mission to merge the best lessons of life from Kill Ken Wilber's integral theory, parts integration, and role-playing games to help people tackle some of the world's hardest problems through imaginative play, which we go all into and we get existential and we get freaky and we get weird about on the podcast. I'm so excited for you to listen to it. And his current projects include mastering the game of allyship and world building with Wendell podcast. So I hope that you find a lot of enjoyment and allow like really what we talk about today to just like marinate and to contemplate it and to just be with it instead of like trying to figure it out. I feel like that's the episode or that's the essence of this podcast for sure of this episode in particular. So hope you enjoy, grab yourself some tea and some coffee and go on a walk do the things you need to do and enjoy. I've got myself a Wendell on the other end of the Zoom call for podcast recording. Wendell, how are you? I am fantastic. I feel yeah. good. I'm very excited to be here. Yes, thank you so much for taking the time to record with me. I just have a really good feeling that this one's going to get weird really fast, which is amazing, which is exactly how our very first interaction went. So I said a little bit about this in the intro to this episode, but Wendell and I actually met in a business coaching program a hot second ago. And it was a year ago. Yeah, it was more than a year ago. Yeah. I don't know when round two was. I did round one earlier and then I hopped on I did second time through. Yeah, round two was like April through June, I think, or something oh, like yeah. that. Yeah, over a year. But I just got to meet Wendell in person a couple of weeks ago because he was passing through Denver and it was the greatest time freaking ever. So, anyways, thank you for being alive, Wendell. I appreciate you. Oh my god, me too. I'm so glad to be alive. <laughs> So with that, is there anything that you feel called to add about who you be in the world Might be. other than what was mentioned in the intro that you sent me? Mm-hmm. I want to throw, I want to pull a Dumbledore just because this is like the ballerest move. I remember reading the Harry Potter books and was like, this is baller, where he just said, I would like to give you four words. And so I'm going to, I'm going to come up with four words right now. Um, embodiment mm. multiplicity mm. perspective and i don't know where this one's coming from but sao paulo brazil is that a place you've been before nope i don't know where I've, i just those are the four words that i want to give you that's all yes that's the end i i told ray that i was like let's make it weird i don't even know how i'm just gonna like riff it's gonna be great I think those are the best, the best podcast because ultimately side note, my vision with this podcast is that this is what it turns into. So like more than solo casts, more than, more than anything, it turns into just like really real, fun, silly conversations with really epic humans, like in this space that 
open portals for you, make you laugh, inspire you, whatever inspiration means. I like that. Um, opening portals. That one sounds pretty great. Every time I'm in playing D&D, when I put a portal in front of my players, they freak out. I'm like, no, like there's stuff on the other side. They're like, no, nah, man, this is just death and destruction. I was like, who hurt you? Portals are good. I love portals. I think that ultimately, I think that's like what coaching is. I think that's what relationships is. I think relationships are. We just like talk to each other and guide each other like home to ourselves and open portals that already exist within our beings that give us realizations and awarenesses that we didn't know were within us, but actually were because we're freaking Buddhas, all of us. Mm, that's good. I want to throw another word because I was on Twitter the other day. You just reminded me. Golden shadow. That's it. I'm not going to explain any of them. Okay. Got it. I mean, I'm really impressed, but I, that's just, I'm just dropping it in the field of play. Kind of like going to your friend's house and you're like, here's my pile of toys. It's just concepts. I seriously don't know what I'm going to do with Sao Paulo, but I feel like it's going to come around. Okay. We're going to roll with it. But I do have a question for you off of that note, right? Like yeah. in regard to imaginary play, right? Like I remember when I originally heard about like the work that you were doing in the world, that you are doing in the world, like honestly, just through like the essence of like being you. What is your, tell, just tell us more about imaginary play and like why it's crucial to a human's life. If they Great. Feel like I would love to do that. I think I'm going to go the spicy route. There's like a few ways that I can go into this. I want to go the spicy one. I came to a conclusion a great deal many years ago. So my Tumblr handle used to be, it still is, but like who's not Tumblr anymore? <laughs> I hope that your readers are not on Tumblr. And if they are, that they are cool with being lightly roasted. I used but, to love Tumblr. <laughs> I, yeah, I used to love it too. And I still do in a weird way. But low-key solipsist solipsism being the philosophical belief that maybe no one else exists and that you're just like a brain in a jar somewhere and everything is simulated and and that's all which was funny for me because like i didn't really believe no one else exists but i had this sneaking suspicion that if anyone came to me with like good data, I'd be like, I fucking knew it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> so that's where the low key came from. And low key before like Gen Z made low key like chef's kiss, like not to be history about it. But that's where it began because I, it was just like lurking in the back of my mind always and all my interactions just like, what if this isn't real? What if this is fake? And eventually I was just like, this is too tiring to carry. Let's just go there. All right. <laughs> brain what if this isn't real and I contemplated it for like not too long but I came to this conclusion which was if the world is an illusion it's all made up and it's just all happening in my head what is the worst case scenario for that being true and the answer was very clear and it very much set me on this trajectory uh being an unhappy brain in a jar is the worst version of being a brain in the jar and i was like oh dicks yeah that feels incredibly true and so even like the pursuit of happiness the pursuit of like well-being kind of emerged from that so it's just like if that person does come to me one day and goes my dude this is all real uh, or all fake i don't want to look back at my life and be like the unhappiness was fake be like oh man no i want the happiness that i heaped up on myself to have been fake and be like oh, okay that's cool at least it was a fun time doing it while it was all fake and this connects to imagination because uh 
pursuing that question and trying to be the happy brain in a jar meant that like I kind of had to treat people as real. It did not feel good to treat people as not real. It turns out that I could not generate effective happiness <laughs> by doing that, even as I was like, yeah, maybe they're not real. So that got me to, okay, well, I, I more or less, at least compared to where I was before, I got there. I got to at least a kind of happy place. And I was like, oh, this is so much better. And I got here through, we'll use the word portal that I was not supposed to go through. You're not supposed to interrogate like truly, honestly, like is everyone like fake or real? But I did it and it, again, I got like a little schmutz on my coat, but mostly I was like, oh, I'm happy. Everything's great. And so I started wondering like, I wonder why other people don't go through this knowing that the other side at least has the potential to be like pretty good. And then I realized that like, I kind of had done a pretty powerful imagination feat to go through that portal. I didn't know it was imagination. I didn't know that that's what was going on and that that would pursue my life. But like the ability to imagine that circumstance, make that choice, uh, it was very powerful, very empowering. Again, like I'm here talking to you because of it. didn't know it at the time. And so looking back, it was like, ooh, how do we create more opportunities for people to make that choice? And what's getting in the way? The first thing, and this is the spooky spicy, that wasn't even the spicy part, that's just the, uh, I'm weird. <laughs> was in the kind of exploring consciousness, I was just like, ah, oh, man, the brain has never seen outside. Like I've never been out there. Everything I'm seeing is all recombined inside my brain. That's why like the solipsism like feels like it could be true because it's like, I don't know what the heck is out there. You see the matrix, you're like, what? I don't know, maybe I'm just like sitting in a goo, goo pod. But it's like, okay, if it's all being combined in your brain, your brain's doing some real next level shit. Like it is imagining a ray in my eyeballs. It's imagining me with this ring light. It's imagining me in this house. It's like running this crazy, amazing simulation. It's got, and that's fantastic, that's amazing. My question as like, I was raised by a computer programmer and a stress engineer. So yeah. like consciousness engineering, like I take it very seriously. There's like a little inner uh, uh, workshop in there where I'm just like smacking ideas together to like make thinner ideas and then stretching them apart to me. It's all weird. But the question was, can I get root access to the part of my brain that's making all of this up and make it make up something else? <laughs> just cause like, if it's all made up anyway, why would I make up? this tea being too hot, why would I, and like, not why, but just like, could I, you know, futz around with that to the end of, again, continued, expanded well-being. Uh, and that's when I realized like, oh yeah, you super can. It's real hard, your brain doesn't want to do it. There's so many protections in place, which I think are pretty healthy. <laughs> Stop you from pressing <laughs> those buttons. Well, we probably won't have time to talk about it, but like, I definitely went through a bout of like, just straight up insanity for like a bit. I got better, it's great. By my own feelings, I feel better at least. Maybe I stayed insane, I don't know. But the ability to like hack like the mind and like get connected to the outcomes that you want very much came from the ability to imagine, visualize, like pretty classic spiritual development stuff. But like, I came at it just like totally ass backwards, kind of like, cause so many people I think that go on the nothing is real path, they end up like very Buddha, like everything is void, that's cool. And I'm like, great, I'm so happy for you. I actually need to weirdly like obsessively believe that all of this is real <laughs> and tactile and that the world of imagination is as real as the world of non-imagination mm -hmm. and follows the same rules, just one exists where I can like actually touch it with my hands and then one exists where I touch it 
with my mind hands and even that comes, <laughs> well, that's too much and i'm like okay let's let's pull it let's pull it back but that's where it's sort of the root of imagination uh, and why i like playing with it because now that i've pulled apart some of those legos i'm like oh cool i can make some like actual stuff i want to build with these legos i look and explore the different ways that my reality is created or that I can kind of peer around corners and, and see what's happening there um, and teach other people to do it. Um, it's really cool. And I'll be real, I always get to this part, people get weirded out by it, but like whatever. It's also just a power thing. Like it's really cool to be able to make stuff. Like you can do more things when you can imagine and then walk yourself, imagine yourself imagining yourself getting somewhere. Like it's just like a faster way to, move through reality when people are like i want to do this i'm like great go imagine yourself doing it and then imagine yourself doing the steps doing that and the part where it's hard to imagine go deal with that <laughs> go figure that out because that's probably the thing that's getting in the way because the person who is watching themselves achieving stuff is doing an act of imagination to see themselves do the stuff so it's just like okay we'll just practice watching yourself do dope stuff yeah he's the game well, and I know for me, like I find a lot of comfort and and the and the theory or the idea that everything's imaginary, just being somebody who finds comfort, like in existential questions, like that. Like I find a lot of resonance in that. Like I find a lot of comfort in that because like the 3D world just doesn't make sense to me and never has. And so what, what might you say to somebody who might be listening to this podcast that is like super convinced everything is real, that maybe, maybe they can't be who they want to be, that maybe they can't have the things that they want to have or experience in their life. And like, how can, maybe how can we begin to loosen up some of that all or nothing thinking that's super limiting and like keeps us in a really constrictive and like restrictive box that is limiting ourselves from our full potential and like from our inner power essentially yeah that is an amazing question and I'm, i already started cackling doing it because i know what i would do and it would be like such a dick man. <laughs> i would totally do it i'd be like cool that sounds amazing how are you liking that yeah yes like, oh. I'll do. if someone looks at me in front and says this reality is real and having a good time with it, I'm like, dope, good on you. Yeah. So I'm gonna look me in the eyeballs and be like, I'm suffering, this is terrible, and this is real. I'll be like, yeah, you can keep that. <laughs> I don't need to mess around with that. Yeah, yeah. And that usually, hilariously, even though like truly, it only really works when I fully believe that I'm like, yeah, you can have yours. Like you thinking your reality is real is as fake as me thinking reality is not real. They're the same thing. Mm -hmm. So someone wants to have it. I'm not taking it away. I got in the business of trying to do that and it was not fun. Yeah. Um, it's not fun. It's not fun at all. I was talking to someone on a group chat on Twitter and they were wondering, asking me, like, how do I get this girl to realize that she's hot? And I was like, that's a super kind thing to do. Like, <laughs> and also, have you considered that they may have a whole lot of unknown benefits that they're getting from believing this other thing that they've actually created the exact reality they want about feeling not hotness. In fact, they've created a situation where they can like have this weird conflict with you where you think they're hot. They think like, what if they had everything that they wanted? You'd be kind of a dick to take that away. <laughs> It'd be kind of messed up um, unless you thought you could win and that they would truly be happy. But it's really bringing in like that choice of like who 
if everything's made up, who gets to drive the car? Even if it's like a made up car, like there still is this agency question that kind of emerges from that. And so, yeah, I, I will do exactly like that, probably laugh in their face. And the very act of doing that, I've found is the thing that I say, um, excuse me, what? Um, why are you laughing at my statement that everything is real? I'm just like, oh, I think this is really funny. And yeah. that's cool. And I'd probably affirm it and they'd be like, I've never been affirmed that I think <laughs> reality is real. It's so obvious to people. They don't even like you patting them on the back. <laughs> for believing reality is real. It is deeply upsetting to even interact with that concept. Actually, people find it easier to push back against, I think reality is made up, I think it's real. That fight, it's happening all the damn time. Mm -hmm. But rarely do they get firmed for it and they got no clue. It's like they're trying to protect their walls of reality from me. And then when I go, yeah, that's probably real for you. Suddenly I'm like inside the walls next to them with like a slurping. It's like, yeah, that's totally chill. Like, no, you're supposed to be out there. And I'm like fighting. I'm like, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. That's exhausting. And I think that like, I mean, that's a really good segue into like just a total side note of like ultimately like what is right and what is wrong, right? Like nothing. Mm. Like, what if everything mm. was just neutral? And like, what if we get to find a lot of freedom and liberation and that mm. in like detaching from this like egoic need to like have to be right Mm. about everything right you and the egoic need to like want to be right about something because that's okay and there's nothing wrong with that part of us it's so human and like what if we could like get curious about the space that could be created if we if we just approached reality but whatever your reality is through like a lens of neutrality is yes the neutrality game mm. there's a lot here there's one book that i read that i, I want to bring up because it's been a fun tool in the game i think i wrote it when we hung out called existential kink now it's not what it sounds like but it's such a good title it's so sticky because it makes everyone go oh i gotta do mr existentialism people hate uh bdsm people are like kink culture they're like i don't want to mess around with that but when you actually see how the ideas like sort of connect because that was exactly my response like i was raised christian in kansas like i, I got weirded out by the band the flaming lips i was like lips on fire no i don't want that i'm like no these guys slap this is amazing i love it but so i always have like that relationship with things a very aesthetic brain where it's like no i want things to look like how i'd want to actually experience them and my lips need to be very much not on fire and i definitely I'm wary of bringing existentialism, something that I have reverence for. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if I'd say I love existentialism. My, my concerns tend to be existential, but I definitely have reverence for existentialism. <laughs> and then just a straight up for the longest time allergy to like kink in general. So when they put them together, it was weird. But it was the idea that every experience, the great unseen observer, if you want to call it, if you want to use the Buddhist integral language around it, just likes having experiences the super conscious from Jungian just like he just likes experiences it's like look uh, a monkey riding a unicycle that's cool uh war in bosnia that's chill it's just like is it a thing is it happening is it beingness and it just goes yep yep i'm chill when people ask like why could this terrible thing happen i'm like because at least in my worldview the thing that's just watching stuff happen is happy just that stuff is happening like it doesn't it doesn't really care now there might be either a i don't know larger or less large version of a deity that cares and it's got feelings and stuff and that could totally be real but at the largest level that i can hang out with that gives me peace it's just like yeah that thing doesn't really care and not like that it's angry or anything but that actually experiences the sort of ground of all being bliss whenever it sees anything <laughs> because we are inside of that thing's 
observation and we can choose our perspective, uh, existential kink calls us to have a sort of take on for fun, a kind of sadomasochistic view of your own life. Like when you're experiencing pain and suffering, go, what if I did this on purpose? What if I was like, yo, I showed up to the weird existential sex club and was like, beat the shit out of me. <laughs> what circumstance would I ask for a refund if I didn't get the shit kicked out of me or if I didn't? And just that reframe opened a lot of stuff up because again, if someone wants to hold on to their reality mm-hmm. and they're miserable, the most terrible thing for me to do is be like, yo, you must have signed up for this. This must be your jam. And I can ask them like, hey, do you enjoy not enjoying this? And they always get like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, if you like not enjoying this, great, keep it, that's amazing. If you like it, I love it. If you don't, I wouldn't even invite them to change and be like, actually, you probably just start like, what if, who would you have to be to decide that like you like doing that? And immediately like the most golemy shadow self shows up and I'm like, that's who you gotta talk to. Bye, and then I leave. I'm like, I don't know what you deal with. Whoever shows up that would have inside of yourself, in your subconscious, engineered this hideous awful life that you are like pushing back against um because they are going to be the ones that stop you from changing if you try and go change something that parts is like um excuse me i paid the great money to get the shit kicked out of me by the universe and what are you trying to like eat healthy and like go on runs and like be cool no that's gonna ruin my whole deal and just having like that perspective online like i'd already even kind of known that i was pretty deep in the shadow work before i encountered existential kink but really just like go to and as a practice holding the sensation of whatever you think is not right and just be like just enjoy it recreationally for as long as you can so that you can hold more space and really just reclaim emotional energy from trying your hardest to like push it away um so that kind of folds into like the question of like after reading that book it got really difficult for me to do the right wrong game in the same way because some people are like getting off on being wrong i'm like dope you do that. I don't want to take that away from you. And then someone's getting off on being right. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. And that Twitter has been a weird space for me with this because I did that with my friend. <laughs> You're listening, Jess. I'm so sorry. Yeah. We were having a conversation around like flirting and they disagreed with my definition of flirting. And so then I could see in real time part of me being like, oh, no, mine is good. I was like, ah, I don't really care about this. How could theirs be true? And I found it and I ended up sit- typing this thing that even as I look at it, I'm like, I can't even tell if I'm being ironic because <laughs> I did. I found the truth of what they were saying, which was like it was like a ritualized version of mm, performing like uh, a interest in someone. And I was like, oh, no, I don't really like performing in that space and I don't really like something else. So I guess what I've been doing calling flirting isn't flirting, which is a huge relief because that means I don't have to worry about being good at it. And I felt the relief and it was like, oh, great. If I ever get weirded out about like my floating abilities, I can just like borrow this perspective, which again, I didn't even evaluate if it was true or not. I just kind of found, is there a way that I could inhabit that truth that could be useful for me? Yeah. And I went about business, but I looked at that post maybe a couple hours later and even me and me, my normal waking self looking at it, I was like, I don't know what this person believes. Looking at my own post because mm-hmm. it didn't, play the right wrong game like someone very subconsciously was saying this is the right definition this is the wrong definition i'm just like yeah they're both okay yeah and so it was, it was weird but like i couldn't do the pushback game because most i didn't want to it didn't seem it felt more fun to try on uh that idea than to 
defend one that I'm just like, I'm not really that attached to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And before I ask you this one question that I'm going to ask, I'm just so curious to hear what, to hear what the you who knows what their definition of flirting is. Like, what does that, what oh, does yeah. that tell? So, so that one is to bring the art of drawing out the attractiveness in someone else. Oh. That's my definition. So much easier, right? I think it's an easier version. If you told 14 year old myself, this is just like, I have a long laundry list of why I like everyone. And these are all the things that I don't say because it's not cool to like say what you actually like about people. And it has nothing to do with even like having that received appropriately. I think there's a lot of things that that definition draws out is reception because if I draw out attractiveness in someone else, it will only be allowed to be drawn out if they accept it. It's like going to like that, um, that metaphor we were doing earlier of like the, the walled city. It's like, if I'm drawing out attractiveness, it already has to be inside the city and it needs to be able to be let out of the city, which means that the city's manager, the king, the queen, the regent has to be willing to let it out. If I run in and I draw the attractiveness out without that person's consent, that's robbery. I did a robbery and people do it all the time. I think that's what men are thinking they're doing with catcalling, which is like, hey, ma, blah, 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 blah. Don't you know I'm telling that you're attractive? It's like, you came into my walled city, you pulled out probably something I'm really insecure about and paraded it for everyone to hear. That's messed up. And it's like, yeah, I wasn't flirting my guy. Like you didn't do the thing successfully. But the attempt still might be considered flirting because you're like, yeah, you tried. You were unskillful, unartful at doing the thing, but you can still trace it back to that desire um, to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yes. And what I was going to ask you off of that, right? Like even, so you keep mentioning throughout this, and I think it'd be really cool to jam on because I believe this is like the the missing piece to, to like full self-acceptance and like just having no reaction to like any part of ourselves is like the essence of shadow work. And I know for me, I've been like knee deep in some shadow work for like the past six months and I've been reading um, The Dark Side of Light Chasers. I forget who the author is, but it is a phenomenal book. Oh my goodness. Like it has unlocked, like it's unlocked parts of me that I'm like, oh my God, like I didn't know you needed love. Like I didn't know I could let you be here and like not be a terrible human, right? So for our listeners, I'm sure many of them know what shadow work is but how would you maybe i don't know (laughs) how would you explain shadow work to somebody who is getting curious with like what it is and like maybe how it could um benefit them in some way in their life i will attempt to do it i love this and it's something i need to actually get pretty good at and i i made that even like weird bit because i feel like in feminine spaces shadow work is talked about much more but is almost very much more felt into like when I go to someone in like a feminine space and I go, tell me about shadow work. They tell me like their journey. They tell me all sorts of cool stuff. And then I'm like, and how do I do it? It's like, well, maybe here's some like meditations or here's some, but I never quite get a definition. And I'll just be real as far as I've observed with the exception of like people really into like Jungian archetype work um, from like sort of the masculine side. It's just like, just men really just don't do shadow work, which is why I was just like, oh, I'll do the thing. I'll be the man that does the thing that men don't do. Spoiler alert, we met in a feminine container. I went to Carolina, I was like, hey, so it's very clear that you're marketing this to like 
women, but like I vibe with it. Like, is it cool if I show it? And they're like, yeah, this is great. Um, so that's just like a recurring pattern because it's just like I think there's a lot of lessons that men specifically like aren't getting for it. So one of those is that men really need definitions and clear cut things. And I don't really have a full answer, but consciousness as we sort of observe it is kind of like a light, a little bit. And shadow work, and so there's a bunch of stuff that you can see that you consider to be yourself. And it's like, great, amazing. You're seeing it, it's awesome. And all that stuff that you're like, this is me. For the most part is gonna be stuff that you is light. Um, and then there's stuff that you don't like that you can see. Still conscious, but it's like in the yin-yang, it's like it's the dark, dark spot in the white bit where you're like, ah, that's bad. Look at that Trump person. Look at that person in the saggy pants. Look at that vegan. Like, I don't care. Whatever you don't like, you're going to be like, ah, that's bad. But you're still conscious about it. So it's still not shadow. You're consciously like, ooh, I don't like that thing. Mm -hmm. But then there's all the stuff that you can't see. Yeah. And that's why shadow work is so hard to talk about because you're learning a language around not seeing. And we are a very privileged, we privilege seeing in our society. We privilege seeing, we privilege harmony, we privilege whatever the positive version of good smelling and good tasting is. We like all that stuff and we really don't like the other ones. And, and there's some people who can like actively sort of deal with that. They can consciously deal with the pain and the grossness and the loudness and the chaos of the world great i'm so happy for them but they're still doing conscious work though because if they're looking at it and they're dealing with it that is like putting the flashlight of consciousness on stuff shadow work is the work of doing all the stuff that you can't see kind of i brought up yin yang earlier and like the definition the earliest definition of yin yang in the chinese tradition is just straight up the part of the mountain that the sun shines on that's the yang and the part of the mountain that the sun does not shine on is the yin. And so literally it's just like, where can you see? Which one is light, which one is dark? But not from a, you know, if really we make it like really dramatic and make it like good, evil, all this crazy stuff. It's not just where does the light touch? Even in like the Lion King, like everything the light touches is our kingdom. What about that spot over there? You must never go this. And it's like that, we still talk about shadow work and this is like it's the place we don't look at, it's the place we don't go. But it's also like half of reality. If you look at like yin yang, it's like, yeah, no, man, most of this is, is dark. <laughs> you know, you get the yang, oh, masculine, yin, feminine. And so it does make sense that, that the feminine went to the shadow first because the concept of femininity itself has been so shadowy for so long that it's like, yeah, duh. But now it's like, okay, for, for us to all be like full integrated humans, we both gotta like, we gotta dance with both. Um, and so it's the part of ourselves that we can't see that we don't accept and that we don't want to do it. So how do you find, how do you actually do the work of shadow work if you can't see it? Well, you can see it in other people. <laughs> Everything you don't like to eat. And this is one of those like really big existential consciousness questions. So I'm going to try and land it very precisely. To even have the ability to have a negative emotional charge for something the capacity to have it must already exist within yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, there's a concept in the Hitchhiker's Guide series, I think it might have been so long and thanks for all the fish, don't quote me on it, where a ship was powered by someone else's problem field. And like, what does that mean? It's like, well, it's invisible because every time someone looks at it, they decide it's someone else's problem and they can't see it anymore. Mm. It's a very fun way to kind of introduce the idea of shadow work because the second that it did become the main character's problem. There's, and a giant 
27 foot ship appeared in their vision and they're like wow where'd this come from it's like you didn't have a concept for it until you had to in that person's case it was survival in most people's case it's just i'm unhappy it's like great so um if you don't have a concept for enjoying being unhappy you're probably encountering some kind of shadow because the state of beingness is bliss mm. and what's the work well the work is uh, being in a relationship with the thing, taking its perspective, seeing what reality might need to exist for it being there to be the best of all possible worlds. Mm -hmm. And most people are like, no, I hate it. Let's destroy it. And it's like, great, let's go talk to the party of Alexa, destroy stuff. I don't have one of those. You literally are trying to kill the part of yourself that makes you unhappy. That sounds like destroyer talk to me. And like, so those are the conversations I get in with people. They do not like me. Being a shadow worker is sometimes incredibly, I still think it's fun, but as someone who's like a big imagination fun person, like people will be like, this is really not fun. I'm like, it is for me and it could be for you, but the path there, depending on like how receptive you are to like this kind of like change, it's gonna be horrifying. <laughs> So I feel like I have been having a lot of fun with it because just like the process of being able to like open myself up to that part of myself and like be like, oh, like you can just like be here and right. Like I don't have to be controlled by you because I'm not trying to resist you anymore has been super liberating and healing for me and has almost been like addicting in a way. Cause I'm like, Ooh, like what other parts of me can I uncover? Like anytime now that I'm like completely repulsed by someone, I'm like, Ooh, what is that? Right. And I think it's like that shift, right? It's a choice point. We can choose to respond to parts of ourselves with like judgment and repression and like, oh my God, I fucking hate you. Or we could like use that as a choice point to be like, oh, like maybe I can respond with openness, which is essentially curiosity, right? Like, what would you do if you weren't so attached to that meaning something about you? Yep. What would that look like? What would that feel like? Like literally in your body and like, what could life be like because of that? Now, the cool thing, this is one of the dangers of shadow work. I love it. It's great. And I definitely, it's a fun game for me. It's like chill. It's been like a non-trivial amount of the day just being like, how do I want to feel? And what's shadows getting in the way of me like doing that and just, I'm just constant unclenching. But what I've also learned is that shadow does not go away. That's one of the big things that when people get into shadow, it's just like, so when am I done with this? It's like, never. Because as you develop, as the mountain gets higher, as it were, more sides of it are covered in darkness. Because actually, I ran into this thing. There's two, I've been playing around with two dimensions of shadow, specifically like there's two dimensional shadow, which is just like, okay, uh, oh, maybe it's really, I don't need to be specific about this. We'll call it two dimensional shadow and just <laughs> make, it, make it mean whatever it needs to mean for you. But it's the classic one, it's the dark side of the mountain, light side of the mountain. But, when we moved out of the geocentric model, we actually introduced kind of in an as above, so below kind of way, like a whole new concept of shadow. Suddenly now there's just like, oh wait, there's the light of being an earthly being. And then there's the shadow of whatever the fuck else is happening out there, inside and outside became like a shadow, as well as right side, left side, like, you know, left-handed people are considered evil because the left side is the shadow side and the right side is the consciousness. Like, oh, cool. But now there's also like the, well, what about the shadow inside versus the shadow out? Like, and, and playing around with that, that one's the one that makes me just, it's the easiest to illustrate. It's like, oh yeah, it never goes away. There's always a new outside. 
there's always a new outside. There's always a more emergent outside and there's always infinite depths you can go into. And this is where the danger comes from. What I have observed in the feminine shadow work, this is about as close to a critique as I can get. It's more of a danger. It kind of feels like Gollum in the Dead Marshes. Just don't follow the lights. Don't follow the shadow. You go too deep in shadow work, you, you don't have to leave. There's no particular reason to like not go there. So it almost adds more pressure to actually have a goal, to actually be trying to get somewhere. There's so many people for whom they're trying to go somewhere and they need to do the shadow work because just in, I have to use this metaphor. It's like, you're trying to get from New York to LA and I can only make this joke because I'm from Wichita, which is right in the middle. <laughs> You will have to pass through Wichita. And if Wichita is a shadow place and you do not do shadow work, you will never get to LA. Yeah. But you are not going to Wichita to inhabit all of the shadow inside of Wichita. That's not the point. Point is to get to LA. Unless you are just like, it's really cool to hang out in Wichita. I'm doing it. It's a great time. <laughs> but so many shadow workers I run into are just like, got a problem? Let's do some more shadow work. I'm like, I don't know, man. Yeah. Like I need, there is the other aspect of can you, and this is where the imagination comes in, can you chart an imaginary path forward without shadow work and then watch how you sabotage that plan? That's where the shadow work starts. Yes. And I think that's like a beautiful example of like what it means to like allow yourself to know that you are always in process right so like there is no there and i use this analogy with like self-acceptance a lot like we're never going to completely accept ourselves. we're never going to be completely there like whatever there is for you even if your ego wants to believe it is like what we do is we like keep chipping away at the rock and uncovering new treasures and golds and like realizations that we didn't have about ourselves and like it's just like impermanent, like it keeps going and going and going. And like, I argue, I don't know. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. Like even after we're not on this physical earth anymore, I think it still goes on. Cause I think that we go somewhere else, but I don't know where that else is. Or we incarnate in a different being on this planet. Who the fuck knows? Knows. I mean, some people act like they'd be known. Wait, that was there a question in there? Sorry. Oh, just your thoughts if you have any. Oh, yeah. I mean, it goes back to the video game thing of just like, okay, it's a game. There's a win condition. You get to make up your win condition. Again, mine, again, it emerged right at that moment where it's like, I would like to die having been a happy brain in a jar. I win if that happens and anything above that is great. And there are experiences that I want to have that I have the capacity to imagine that I have not achieved yet. For example, like there's a part of me, it's like, I would like to have a flobbity jillion amount of dollars. So I think it'd be really fun. I've been like doing like visualization exercises to just very like big trickster energy, cut my friend's stupid tricks and just be like, what are you gonna do with this now? Like in the same way that like, I wish that would happen to me. I'm just like, I think I would like to inflict that on everyone that I know because so many of our generation spouse, spiritual people too. You know, very specific money allergy around just like, if I have it, then I will turn evil. And it's like, great. I would love to inflict that crisis on you by just tossing money at people. So I know that I want to do that. I know that I don't have that money yet. And so I know that having that vision that I have to pass through Wichita mm -hmm. to get there. And then I get to decide things around like time, like how fast do I want to get there? Mm -hmm. I'm going by bike. That's going to be a long, weird trip. I'm walking. That's even going to be longer. 
is there a vehicle I can build? What shadow is getting in the way of me getting access to the vehicle parts? Can I just buy a vehicle? What am I going to buy the vehicle with? I'm also, there's their emotional resources that cost for me to build the vehicle, for me to get to LA so that I can go dunk on my friends with all this stuff. All these questions. And yeah, you're right. They're absolutely infinite. And a choice that I ended up making was, it's totally chill for me to die with a half-built vehicle because I definitely still want to like be able to answer like, what, what were you trying to make of your life? I was like, I was really trying to do this hilarious prank to all my friends. I didn't make it, but I really wanted to do it. That's like, that's chill. That's okay for me. Um, and so as far as like what happens afterwards, it's like, I guess the real question is like, how would I want to have been as I like step off the 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 boat? Like, I, I, I can't know exactly what it is, even if I imagine it, me imagining it, that's one of the things I love about imagination. It pulls it into the present reality. If I imagine that like, like I was an alien, I came down here and I go, that was weird being a window that whole time. Like I think Rick and Morty does the best example of it where they did the, the Roy game. They go to a fake space Dave and Busters and they hop in a simulation of this guy's life named Roy. And then just in this quick montage, you see like them live out this like this Roy and he falls off a ladder at a carpet store and breaks his neck and like game over and it's just like ah morty like oh no roy like battles cancer and survives cancer and then goes back to the carpet store and then like he gets dunked on he's like oh morty you went back to the carpet store like what a weak ass way to play roy and it's like it wrinkles my brain but also it's just like ah if it was like that that'd be amazing but also how does that change my roy experience knowing that i might be waking up and get dunked on by my psycho uncle because I did window in now weird space world wrong. <laughs> it's like, ah, I don't know. Could I live the Roy life in such a way that when I hop out of the game, someone tries to talk shit to me, I go, no, no, no. In this game, I learned that that's nothing. And I just go get a smoothie. It's like, I don't know. But like, that's about as close as I can get to like how thinking about like an afterlife affects, you know, my day to day. I read something yeah. today not careful i'm still chewing on this i guess i'll flick on you guys that like it might not be like a good idea to listen to your soul like mm -hmm. there's a sort of prevailing idea in spiritual communities that like your soul is here to learn lessons so it's like great that's like taking advice from like a 14 year old in calculus mm -hmm. as calculus <laughs> you're like ah what i you should teach me how to do this like it doesn't know anything it's come here to learn the thing so you've got all this weird shit happening to you because the soul's trying to learn stuff. You need to imagine something even like higher than that that already knows the thing and invalidates whatever struggle that you need to. And it's at that space where my brain starts being like, oh man, yeah, that's that's wild. Uh, and it always ends up coming down to, so what am I going to eat tomorrow? <laughs> How am I going to use this to make the game of being one more fun? Luckily, I do like these kind of thought experiments so like it doesn't ever detract from from my experience to go there but i can see people living their whole lives freaked out <laughs> that they don't have an answer or that they need to make sure that their answer mm -hmm. is something and so i always kind of am checking like is your pursuit of encountering this idea this concept like adding more joy or like wholeness to your life or is it like adding a new anxiety if it's adding new anxiety i'm like that's dope you can do that over there <laughs> i will happily watch you and let you do that but uh yeah it's really difficult for me to hang with those people nowadays especially having been one like um, i could how extensive crisis i had when i was in high school and college 
Well, and I think that's like such a good reminder too, to like that number one, we are the, we truly do like create our experience, create, co-create, like we get to choose, like we have the power of choice. There is that agency to like choose what we want to experience and what we, well, both and we get to choose how we want to perceive the things we're experiencing. And we could choose if we wanted to, you know, be really anxious about something or not be anxious about something or decide to focus on something that makes us anxious or choose to release it, right? Mm -hmm. Which is hard. I mean, it's like true and hard. People will be like, I'll say that and I'll go, that's so hard. I'm like, oh, you're super right. And that's why I do games. That's why I do imagination stuff. I'm like, what are the things that we do that is hard that we do for fun? I do still think fun is the best way to measure it. But if there are things that are inexorably like difficult for a human mind to do, the only way I want to do them is a damn game. Um, and that's really the way out. Like if someone says like, this is how I want to do it. It's like, great. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't do it. Stay anxious. That's, mm-hmm. that sounds like you've mastered that game. Keep knocking out, keep getting those points. Um, Cause I can easily then imagine in that person, the part of them that's just like, no, this is my Roy game of being anxious, depressive window. And every time he's anxious, depressive, I get a gold star and you're going to take it away. I'm like, Oh yeah, my bad dude. <laughs> I didn't know you were playing this game. It's almost like you're at the gym. Oh, sorry. I didn't know you were at this machine. My bad. Yeah. I was on another machine. That's like, we were talking about this when you were in Denver, actually, like what the story that we had, that I have had, right. And that I'm like currently really undoing, like in a way I've never had before of like what it means to be a hard worker. Right. I think so often we think like, oh, to work hard and like be successful and get to this space where we finally can feel like we're enough or we can rest or like have inner peace. Like it means that we had to get there anxious. It means that we had to get there and suffer because then that means we fucking worked hard enough. Like, I don't, I don't want to play that game. Like, that's not fun. Like I want to make reaching my goals and like being in my life as fun and playful as possible. Right. Like if there's that choice, I want that one. And there is that choice. Yeah. You just got to make it a bunch of times. So that's something that comes up in role-playing games a lot. Around like power and choice and all this like cool stuff where it's like, okay, like a rich person can choose to be poor. They can be like, you know what? Fuck money. And then just like get rid of it. A poor person, some people might say, cannot choose to be rich. No, they super can. They just have to make so many more dice rolls. Yes. And if I were to find someone who went from being poor to being rich, I would track the number of dice rolls they made. Mm, yeah. so they made a bunch of dice rolls. Like, I'm certain that you'll get there eventually. Like, there's only so many, that, and like, you'll die. But like, you'll either die really quickly, or you'll keep making the dice rolls and choosing to have fun with them, feel for the game until you get there and it's chill. Yeah. But I've never found anyone who decides that rolling the dice isn't worth it. <laughs> who makes it there like that would be like a crazy act of god in fact the only people who that works for this is me hopping into like my dungeon master brain would be someone who's like i am so deeply allergic to money i don't want anything to do with this and like oh my god that person needs to win the lottery like tomorrow so you can watch <laughs> the concept explode because they're not gonna know what to do with it it's gonna be crazy mm-hmm. um that's the only people who get that without making the dice roll because this is again for all you D nerds i hear you i hope you're having a great time uh, the dungeon master gets to make their own dice rolls. I do that all the time. I'll just do that to freak my players out sometimes. I'll just roll a dice and be like, oh, what's about to happen? I'll just be like, I just want to make sure you're Because <laughs> it's just like, I can, because the players can't see my rolls. I just say, I roll to find something happens. I, I decided. Um, and so being able to take that role for yourself, be your own dungeon master, means that it's just like, yo, what roles would you have to have made to have gotten this life? And what would you want to have given yourself? Mm-hmm. 
and what would you have wanted on purpose to have hidden from yourself to create this life because you're not going to be granted all the information even when you're in dungeon master consciousness like i try to stay there as much as possible it's not fun if i know everything that's going to happen i have to be surprised it means i have to have things mm -hmm. that i don't know in fact i must court um, unknown a lot of times so that's the only time i can actually see something new uh, and exciting Mm -hmm. um and most people are like no certainty always i'm like yeah you can do it it's just certainty is real tricky if you it's really easy to break certainty yeah. um and it's really difficult to stop surprised oh <laughs> mm -hmm. <coughs> mm. uncertainty i feel like certainty is one of those things like my relationship with it has changed so much and i tend to work with like a lot of the humans listening to this podcast may very well be in a space because a big component of like coaching and just like mentorship that I do with people is really befriending that part of them that wants certainty and getting comfortable with being an uncertainty and chilling there realizing like oh it's safe to like actually just like soften into like that not knowing and allow whatever's supposed to unfold to unfold well, something really hilarious that just came to mind because I think about Wiley Coyote all the time. I'm certain we talked about Wiley Coyote when I was in Denver. If not, talking about it now. Wiley Coyote, obviously he's like made up, but it is a deep, aggressive, upsetting tragedy if Wiley Coyote was certain he would fail every attempt he made at the Roadrunner. In fact, the only thing that Wiley Coyote has is sort of a faith in himself in his process and the uncertainty that like maybe i'm wrong about if i'm gonna fail this time mm. he keeps showing up he keeps failing and he keeps showing up and obviously i know that they're made up but it would cease to be funny it would be the saddest most hideous thing we'd ever seen in our life if wiley coyote didn't believe in himself and so it's always just kind of like when I, I think about that it's just like again like, do you want to be wiley coyote do you want to be the roadrunner do you want to be Chuck Jones? Like those are the three options that I can see. When you're Chuck Jones, you're like, okay, for this to be funny, I do have to create a reasonable struggle for this character to go through, i.e. Wiley Coyote. And I have to create this world that like supports this struggle happening, but I'm doing it for the laugh. I'm doing it and I know that I've succeeded because I as the creator or me watching the audience experience it, they have to laugh. It's like, great, that's what we're tracking. Mm -hmm. If Wiley Cody did not get laughs, that show would change. And yet we are all making these deeply, aggressively dire, cartoonish versions of our own life that are incredibly unfunny, <laughs> incredibly unesthetic, and then like mad that someone, some great other hasn't come in and like fixed it for them. It's just like, I don't know, man, like what if you just <laughs> could find a way to make it joyful? But what one has to give up in that, and that's one of the hardest shadow types to give up is, is victimhood. So yeah. you can't be, you can't have choice and be a victim at the same time. Victims are victims because they don't have choice. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And we were going to try to keep this at about an hour. So I feel like that's a good space. Boom. You want to hear that again? Yeah. Sorry, I don't, don't want to do that again. I don't know. Oh, that's so good though, because I feel like when we say that out loud too, of like, when I picture myself when I'm in victim mode, it's like my inner child, like literally, I'll have to do another podcast on that, um, on inner child, on our <laughs> children things. Oh my goodness. When do I geek out about inner child conversations and have a lot of fun with it? But 
I picture like my inner child, like a version of my inner child, because there's another version of my inner child that's like, fuck you, I'm going to prove you wrong, right? Um, but I picture one and like my boots and like stomping of like, you can't tell me what to do. Things suck. I'm a victim. Like all the things and like just saying that out loud and realizing how silly it sounds can be really, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like self-liberating, like you open yourself up to like not being a victim anymore. And then using your power of choice, agency of the choices you have available to you effectively. But here's the thing, when when here, and then you can ask me a really funny questions. We're really excited about them. Yes. Uh, it requires you to give up the power of the victim. <clears throat> victim just has the story of powerlessness. It ain't powerless. This, this whole world is run by victims. We, yeah. I, don't, I, don't actually, I was about to say, my milk comes to my door every day by someone in victimhood. I'm like, I don't get milk at my door. <clears throat> I'm my cousin Tyler, and then when it's not 1954, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm getting it. Like, this world is run by a bunch of people with victim consciousness. I would never want to do victim consciousness a disservice by saying it is not a powerful one. It's just not as powerful mm-hmm. as the ability to make a choice. Yeah. If you have one option, you have that the power to have that one option. You got two options. Mm-hmm. The power to have two. That's bigger than one. <laughs> Ooh, almost like um different forms of power too. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh gosh. Okay. There's so much there too that we could go into like a whole nother a whole nother tangent. But we will stop there. So we are going to move on to some like speed round, just like random human questions that I think are super fun that I want to know about people. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Number one, what's the favorite thing you've eaten that you've eaten in the last week? The favorite thing I've eaten in the last week. Oh, do you like look at my face and are like, oh, his eyes are too big. Let's, let's shrink it down. No, I'm going to know my favorite thing that I've ever eaten. Holy crap. Um, there is a dish that people in the United States may refer to in their brains as Kung Pao chicken. Oh, yes. It is not this, but it's as close as most Americans can get. The actual dish, Gong Pao Ji Ding, is just the most home-along, like, normal-ass experience that you can get at any spot in, like, Beijing, pretty much any spot in China. And it's one of those lost in translation stuff where I'm just like, there are millions of people moving between China and the U.S. every day a chunk of them have all had gong bao jiding, and we all let kung pao chicken still be itself. It's a crime, but I love that. It's amazing. It's got the Sichuanese peppercorns, peanuts, uh, chopped zucchini, and this lovely sauce. It's amazing. Um, get it if you can, but don't if you're in America. But there's some places you can get in America. It's awful. But no, kung pao chicken, gong bao jiding, best thing I've eaten. I'm hungry for pad thai, just like talking mm. about mm, Chinese and like. I mean, Thai food's Thai food. Pad Thai. Well, would Pad Thai be Thai food or would it be Chinese food? Pad Thai is Thai food, but it's made up. That was a cool thing about Pad Thai is that like it didn't exist. And they like made up a dish to be consumed by the world for Thailand because Thailand has like hella different cuisines. Mm-hmm. And so they like, Pad Thai is, is if the Chinese government had created General So's chicken. No one in China eats General So's. That's not a thing. It's made up as only American Chinese. But everyone knows it. Everyone gets it. It's delicious. I had some today. <laughs> I love American Chinese food and also love 
Chinese Chinese food. Love it. Had Thai, I think it might have been like the 60s or the 70s. Like the government was like, we need a dish to export. Like no one ate it. And they made up this. Someone please fact check me. But someone told me and it blew my mind. And so I'm telling you, it might be either a very compelling lie or just an amazing truth. I don't know. But they like made it up. Like it is not like a standard Thai cuisine. But unlike General So's, it was completely made up. It was an actual like the Chinese government, uh, the Thai government wanted an export to get literally to really to, to get people to come to Thailand. Like people didn't travel to Thailand, yeah. and now it's like the hottest location ever. Like it, it's that's what made me so excited about it. I was just like, oh, it's very rare that you see someone like make a giant weird intentional plan and have it work out like so perfectly. Because <laughs> we all love Pad Thai. You're talking about it right now. And if you don't love Pad Thai, I don't trust you. Oh my yeah. god. How could how could you trust that person ever again? <laughs> Yes. Okay. Next question. So, amazing. Next question is, what is something that you are just like obsessed with right now? It can be literally anything. Oh, what am I obsessed with right now? What am I obsessed with right now? I've gotten really obsessed with the tarot and Taoism. Mm. And I say obsessed in that like I'm literally looking at a book stack in my home right now. And like, there's like four tarot books was it 78 degrees of wisdom young in the tarot tarot and uh individualization and then i've got like a bunch of like qigong thai uh taoist texts and i'm just like oh and i kind of like looked up one day and was like oh shoot i'm obsessed with this right now because i'd always wanted to give myself permission to get more into taoism it felt a little too on the nose as a Chinese major spiritualist to be like, oh, I'm going to get into like Taoism and pursue the Wu Wei. I, even as I like tell myself stories about it, I'm like, oh, who do you think you are? I'm like, someone must be happy, damn. And every time I do more of it, I'm like, this is great. I want to learn more about it. Like, get obsessed. And kind of same with like tarot. I was like, oh, cards is fun. I like randomness, but I like card randomness. I don't like dice wins. I love D&D, but actually I'm not a big fan of dice. Numbers don't mean anything. I like symbols on each other. And so tarot makes little sense. And I'm kind of seeing how different cultures and practice and tarot as shadow work. And then like kind of seeing how people have kind of used this technology to get at stuff. Like, That's cool. Um, yeah, one of my two, one of two obsessions right now. But also boba tea. I was traveling and I got boba everywhere. And I was like, I did not like this, but I liked it a lot more like having it in like every state. <laughs> like boba tea you don't like boba i don't it's like well number one i can't have i'm like well doesn't it have milk in it oh yeah i get it with like the oat milk oh i didn't know you could do that the yeah. place i went didn't have that option but number one yeah. that number two it's also just like it's really sweet for me like almost mm. like just too sweet like too yeah sweet you, like, you gotta go to like a place where they will because they'll customize boba. like at first when i went i was like oh i can mess around with this They'll be like, how much ice do you want? I'm like, never. Give me like the least amount of ice. Then how sweet do you want? I'm like, give it one fourth. And now I know like that's my boba order. I'm like, whatever I get, get it with almond milk, one fourth ice, one fourth sweet. And it's cool. So I like, because I'm also a big Chipotle fan. I'm almost certainly going to go to Chipotle after this call. The ability to, and yeah, it's, it's also a, a push off of tarot. It's also even vaguely connected to like the Chinese uh, elemental system. I like a closed system with infinite variations. And the ability, and so boba does that. Uh, uh, the 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 Chipotle does that. Uh, the Chinese elements do that. Like I'm just like, oh, let's move these around. Like, ah, what's this going on here? I resonate with that a lot. Oh my goodness. 
Uh, okay. So next up, what is, what do I, what do I want to ask you? What does being in process mean to you? What does being in process mean to you? Um, the image that just popped to brain is that the forest is inside the acorns. Oh, yeah. it's already inside the acorns. So it's just like, well, mm. you can skip to the part where it's already there in the imagination, or you can ride the wave of process and find out in real time, or you can jump around. Time feels like the thing that more than anything, it feels like the most made up yeah. nowadays. Cause like there's a part that's just like, it's not bad that I want to skip to the end because there is no the end. So I'll just be skipping to a point in time in which I can't imagine a future. And then I just find that one in real time until I can skip more. Like it's, I'm just going to keep doing that until, you know, exit stage right. So yes, that's what I'll leave with the eight forces and the acorns. I love that. Okay. Next up, we have two more. What's something you're letting go of right now? Ah, ah, ah. What am I letting go of right now? What am I letting go of? Right now, I'm letting, who, okay, this is gonna get a little meta, but I've been there the whole time. I'm letting go of not using future vision. Mm -hmm. As a recovering anxious depressive, I was very good at looking into the future. In fact, my best type of thinking was, what do I need to do right now to make it to my 30, 20, 10 year goal? And like that loop, was solid, except the answer that I kept producing was something shitty I want to do. <laughs> the answer kept being something I don't want to do, something I don't want to do. So my solution was no more future thinking and let's focus on stuff that I want to do. Great, I've gotten to this super lovely place, but the requirements is like, well, you could do some future planning. No, that's where all the bad stuff happened. Like, well, no, it only was bad because the loop was the things that are shitty. You're actually really good at holding things in the short term and, and pleasure and, and emergent goodness, what happens if you start now looking into the future and I'm finding that there's a very powerful part of me, but they got so much complexity, like, ah, and like, they start looking at the world in like really big ways. They're the part of me that wanted to do international relations. that was like into coding, like I can handle a lot of complexity. I've kind of given it up and that part is wanting to come back online and I'm letting go of resisting them. Yeah. Even though I don't know what it's gonna look like. Uh, it's, it's, fine. it's fine. Thank you for making me do that in real time. Oh, so no. thank you for sharing. All right. So, lastly, what is something in your life that you were currently just like super stoked about and you're super excited about? Words. I'm going to Portland this Friday. Yes. I'll meet up with a sweetie that lives in Canada that we're finally able to like interact with each other because like some things have lifted portland is like my not my hometown my hometown's is up but like my hood my city oh. is portland i haven't been in so long i'm like gonna see like all my people and there's definitely like a part of my brain that's just like locked away where it's like if i can't be in portland the only thing that i would do thinking about portland is feel sad about not being in portland so i'm just like locked that away and as i get closer i'm like all right, at this point, it's kind of irresponsible to not have these thoughts coming because I'm going to need them to actually like, have a good time in Portland. And so they're starting to like come out. And I was like, oh, wait, this is great. I love this place. And so I'm really excited to drink tea, go to a bookstore, 
climb Mount Tabor, go to the Chinese gardens and play hella role-playing games. And I found out that my Airbnb, because my sweetie booked the Airbnb, is in my old neighborhood. I didn't even know. I didn't even tell them to do it. And I'm like, holy crap, I get to just walk around Selwood for like as long as I want to. That's all I did. Like I'm kind of a walker. So I'll just be like, I'm tired of being inside. And I just take walks around the neighborhood. And it's just a very cute, lovely place. And I get to go back there. I'm very stoked about that. Oh, I'm so excited for you. Oh, that'll be fun. You'll have to tell me all about it. Oh, yeah. Me when we come in contact again. Oh, yes. I mean, I also can just like put it inside. No, I'm not going to do it. I'll just take photos and show it to people. I don't know. I haven't decided. That's the weird thing. It's like spontaneousness, mm -hmm. aggressive planning. And again, that's like kind of the DM's crisis. Like, well, I could plan all of this out. Yeah. Or I could just improvise. It's like, why not most dose? And it's like, uh, yeah, it's probably going to be a lot of both for, yeah. until I'm done doing this. I vote spontaneity. I like spontaneity. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, thank you for sharing yourself with the Being in Process podcast. Oh my goodness. I am so glad we got to have this conversation. And do you have any last words for anybody listening? Um. Sao Paulo is a city in Brazil. Um, I believe it's where a lot of Bossa Nova people sort of came from. It's on a bucket list. I wanted to learn Portuguese. I did on Duolingo for a little bit. And I do think I would like to go to Sao Paulo mm. one day. I felt bad introducing such a weird, I know those weird people like me that are going to be like, when's he going to talk about Sao Paulo? And I think I did get to most of everything else. So. That is all I wanted to say is this is everything I know about Sao Paulo. It all comes full circle. All right. Well, that is the end of today's show. Thank you again, Wendell, for coming. And go don't be a victim anymore unless you want to. Unless you really love it. Unless you love it. And peace out. <laughs> <laughs>